The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press. Happy Tuesday afternoon to you, one and all. 401, your start time here on 106.9 FM. 1390 AM and 106.9thefan.com, or if you're carrying us around on your streaming, or I guess phone advice, phone advice, phone device, or your mobile f- device, whatever it is, that would be uh, the 106.9 The Fan mobile app, which we uh, we have out there. If you ever uh, need to uh, take us to wherever you're going, then you're more than happy to, uh, or more than welcome to download that app and uh, and. You can text in from the app directly, or you can text in from your phone if you wish, at the number of 435-339-0321. Again, that is 435-339-0321. we got a lot to get to today. Uh, this is uh, kind of a shocker last night. Look, it had been long said that the UNLV Rebels were a good, uh, had a good talent of basketball in their pool. The problem was is that they weren't playing like a team. Well, that's changed in the last five games. Now a five-game winning streak for the Rebels, and they add on to that last night uh, with a win over the Utah State Aggies. Kind of a shocker for a lot of people around the country. Final score from the Thomas and Max Center in Game 1, 59-56. Uh, as, the, uh, as the Aggies fall now to uh, 9-2 and in conference play, 12-5 and five overall. Now, uh, the question for a lot of people has been asked of, well, do you the Aggies lose their at-large bid? Well, it's a lot tougher to get the at-large bid now. Now, you can't lose a game. If you're looking for an at-large bid, you cannot lose a game the rest of the way. That includes the tournament. Well, I mean, that goes, I, I should say, that includes going into the championship game. If they sweep... From here on out, including getting Boise State twice, now you can't split with Boise State. Now you have to sweep Boise State. Uh, Colorado, uh, excuse me, not Colorado, uh, Fresno, Nevada, you have to sweep everybody now, and you have to get to the championship game. A semifinal game does you absolutely positively no good in this regard. You have to get to the championship game. Um, and so, uh, and that's, and that's, and that's the Aggies doing. Uh, they they shot poorly last night. Uh, second half, I think, stands out to everybody when they when they watched that game. Um, and credit to UNLV, they couldn't miss, and they hit they hit some tough tough shots last night. Uh, so again, to the Aggies, fifty nine fifty six loss last night. Uh, Aggies game two with the Rebels will be tomorrow. It's a late one, nine o'clock p.m. eight eight p.m. pregame with Al Lewis. Or excuse me, eight pregame will be immediately following the Logan Grizzlies. Bear River Bears game. Uh, I'll be at the Rec Center, the Grizzly Gym. I don't know what they call it now. Uh, to uh, Grizzly Den. The Grizzly Den? Is that yeah. what they call it? Or are you making that up? No, that's what they call it. All right, well, I'm going to the Den to call Logan Bear River game. And then immediately following that game, we're going to we're gonna skip post-game with Logan Grizzlies, uh, just so you mom and dads know, and we're going to go straight to... Uh, or at least it'll be abbreviated. Yeah. Something like that. We're Yeah, we're working through it, but don't plan on a... Uh, as of right now, you probably won't be hearing from uh, Coach Brown. We want to get to the Aggie pregame, give Al the uh, due and respect that he deserves to to preview the Aggies in a must-win. I'm going to call it that, a must-win game two. 
Again, final score 59 56 last night. 9315 texted into the show. Again, if you want to, it's 435 339 0321. Always happy to have you joining us wherever and however you're doing so. Uh, Eric Francis, I'm Ajay Salveson. Once again, good evening here on a Tuesday afternoon. The text says, I heard the ringmaster. I like Jinxie more. Uh, today, say he wanted to be called the GOAT. So there's, there's a contest I've been doing on the morning show, uh, on the morning show, I should say, on the AJ McCall as I've been subbing in for AJ. And I haven't lost yet. And so I've been telling McCall I like to be called the GOAT, and she won't do it. I don't get it. Brady Brady wins a few games, and he gets called the GOAT. A I'm few, undefeated a in a radio contest, and I can't get called the GOAT. He games. says, one of the only good things that came out of the UNLV-Utah State game last night is that I will not have to hear the skies falling from AJ. That Coach Smith is going to end up with the bigger basketball program. Last night we looked mentally and physically fatigued, mostly mental. If we look at our track record, this is nothing new about losing a game like this. And then we ratchet up in the Mount West tournament and win it. History is pretty telling. What are your thoughts, Eric and Ajay? Um, okay, I'm not. I made the mistake of jumping ahead just barely and talking about what they got to do into the Mount West Conference tournament to get in that large bid. There's still a lot of conference basketball to be played. Remember, the Aggies still got to go to Fresno next week, Nevada, Wyoming, or excuse me, Wyoming, Boise State, and then Nevada. Uh, and then you go into the Mount West Conference Tournament. Um, Marco's been asked about this by Curious George. Uh, <laughs> Coach Smith has been asked about this by Curious George. And it has been the exact same answer both times. We are focused on playing UNLV. That's all they care about. Um, and then after last night's loss, I'm pretty sure they're focused just on UNLV game two. No way around it. In fact, uh, let's go to Marco uh, on that regard uh, in regards of not looking past uh, past anybody else. I mean, we're just holding our head high. We know that this is, you know, this is basketball. This happens. Um, if we just leave our head down on games lost, then we're just going to keep losing games. We can't afford to do that. So. You know, we take the punch, um, we learn from it, we watch film, and um, next time uh, we change the outcome. But it's really just a learning experience uh, and just never making the same mistake twice. And that's that's what we really value here. And that's something that Craig Smith is good at. Look, they've lost three in a row loss last year at one point. They lost two in a row this year once, and then uh, once again have lost two in a row. Uh, but three in a row is a rare thing for you, the Aggies under Coach Smith. Um, expect a more focused, a more ready team, more mentally ready to go. And you're right. I think physically they did look exhausted. That's what happens when you play the Aztecs, Rams, and then you have to go to UNLV and play a, a, a very up-and-coming up Rebel squad who likes to run the floor, Eric. Yeah, I think that... Um... I think 9315 is correct in that they did look fatigued. It was more of a mental thing, I think, than a physical thing. But they've they played a lot of games in a shorter, relatively short amount of time. Um, they've benefited from the majority of those games being at home. And they really haven't had very many true road games. Um, but, yeah, because the lift wasn't really there. The, the, a lot of shots were short for Utah State. Uh, I think it was a mental just a mental block they had going on. And you're right. Under Coach Smith, he has stretches where the team just is flat for a couple of games. I mean, look at his last two seasons. He has a stretch somewhere in the season where the team looks flat. 
But they figure it out. They start playing better. They close out the season strong, and they play good enough in the conference tournament. Um, they did drop in the net rankings. It wasn't a dramatic fall for the Aggies because that was a right now considered a quad three loss, and that's not good. But Utah State went from 50 to 57. Now Colorado State has, is ahead of the Aggies. They're at 56. San Diego State, they're at 34. Boise is still at 15, which just still blows my mind. Uh, UNLV did get a little bit of a boost from beating the Aggies. They went from 153 to 140 in the net rankings. So by the time the season or the, the conference season is done, that probably will not be considered a quad three loss anymore. I think UNLV will continue to climb, but it'll move into the quad two area. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it was the, the team just looked a little fatigued. You know, we have had many discussions on this show and had feedback from you, our listeners, about if the Aggies need a bucket, who are they going to go to? Last night was a great example of this team struggles with that. Marco was doing it early in the game, but when it came time to, hey, it's been 10 minutes since we've had a bucket. Who are we going to go to to get us a point? Yeah, and mind you on that, uh, there was two things. One, Aggie's got some good looks. Raleigh's got to make a three. So does Alfonso Anderson. Yeah, Alfonso. So does Stephen Ashworth. I feel bad for Alfonso. There were multiple guys who had clean, open looks, and they just clanked them. Uh, Alfonso finishes 0 for 8 on the night. He, uh, that's the first offer of his career with Utah State Aggies. He's never had one here until last night. Uh, Brock Miller only took one shot, and he made it. Only one shot from Brock Miller. That's that's unreal. Uh, Marco Anthony had had the best game out of everybody. He went 4-9 from the field, 2-4 from deep. In 17 minutes, he had 12 points. Uh, Raleigh was 2-5, of and he was 0-3 from deep, and I think all three looks were open, too. Uh, Namish, 3-6 from the Brock, field in 15 Brock minutes. Brock took points. more than one shot. Oh, I'm looking at the he first half He made two threes. Stat. I'm okay. I'm sorry. I, I was looking at the first half stats. Don't yell at me. Kind of matters. God. Alfonso always, was 0 for 6. You're always so aggressive. 0 for 4 from deep, though. Yes. Yeah. He was. Uh, Ashworth, in 20 minutes of play, zero points. Well, that's zero just... for 3 from, field, from the field. Uh, 0 for 1 from 3. Um, he did get a couple rebounds. Know what you're printing next time before you print it, just so you know. <laughs> Four rebounds and assists. They had five turnovers. So that bench for Utah State is I mean, Marco played tough in the first half. Kenna had some moments, but that whole team just was flat. Yeah. So it wasn't just one guy who just didn't have his game. It was ninety five percent of the team just didn't bring their game with him to Las Vegas. Six five four three. Does this mean we have to win the Mountain West tournament to get an NCAA bid? No, but you have to get to the championship game, and you can't lose from here on out. I think that if they, if that was their last bump in the road, if they beat UNLV, they beat Fresno, they beat Wyoming, if they beat Boise, they have to sweep for if Boise. They, if they beat Boise, if they sweep both Boise. times, they're in. No way. Yes. No way. I, I, Those are two I, quad I, one wins yeah, on but, the road. But it's a five-loss team who has a quad three loss as of right now, and you said that might bump up as the season goes on if UNLV can continue to get better. Um, but if, if they go through the point where they don't lose again and they sweep Boise, yes, they're in. I I will politely disagree with you. I they think would be a top 
Aggies would be a top 40, top 30 net ranking team. What's their net ranking right now? 57. But if they win the rest of their games, I don't think it matters what happens in the uh, Mountain West tournament. Well, you, you can't lose your first game. Also, they have to get to the semifinal then. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to sweep Boise State. Me neither. Now, we didn't think they were going to lose to UNLV either. No, I, I, I got to be honest with you, man. I didn't think they'd lose to I didn't to see this State. was coming. Yeah. In fact, I, well, a couple people had told me they thought they were going to lose to Colorado State in game two just the way game one went. Um, but I didn't see them losing to UNLV. I thought I think it'd be, I knew it would be a tough contest. I didn't chalk it up as a loss, though. And, and you know what? Like, for the most part, and I know we had that tragic, horrific loss to Boise State at Boise last year. But I feel like Craig Smith has got a good hold on the Leon Rice-Craig Smith matchup. I really do. I, for some reason, and, and call me crazy, call me biased, call me stupid, I mean, whatever. I honestly think Craig Smith's going to go to Boise and sweep him. Like, Craig Smith's going to put on this show that nobody's going to see coming, and he's going to take care of the Broncos. Well, it's interesting you say that. I think he, he has an edge in that matchup. Yeah. He clearly does not have an edge against... DJ no. Olselberg. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> been going on for a while, right? He struggles in the matchups against UNLV. Yeah. And that is going back from before their days in the Mountain West. Uh, 9463 texted in. Uh, a lot of what I look for in predicting what happens is consistency in stats and whether or not what is happening on the court side is sustainable. He says UNLV shooting 43% from three is considered hot shooting for them and isn't as sustainable for the next game. Meanwhile, USU shot 5-22 from three, and it's insanely awful, and that poor shooting just isn't sustainable for the next matchup. They are going to do better. Prediction for tomorrow's game, USU wins by 13-plus. Okay, uh, that's great. I love that. However, UNLV shoots the three very oh, well. Yeah. They love yeah, to shoot the three. this isn't nothing new with what they do. Right. So, I, But I think it was more team ball that they were able to play. That's just the Aggies couldn't handle. Right. I think that the perimeter defense is going to be better. And we saw it was significantly better in the second half. Yeah. You know, we're focusing on Utah State's struggles offensively, but Utah State defensively looked a lot better in the second half. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get their own points. So, uh, should we expect UNLV to put up as many threes? Uh, they did set kind of a high watermark for them, um, but most of that was coming out of the first half. But look, this is a team that likes to put up threes. They like to shoot from deep. So, are they going to put up thirteen? Are they going to? Excuse me. Are they going to make thirteen? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make ten or eleven. They got a lot of guys who like to shoot the three, and they will continue to do that. That's their game. Uh, there were people during the game last night. Oh, Yonavi's putting in a lot of threes, but they can't sustain it. Uh, yeah, that's what who they are. That's what they've done all year. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, nine three one five. I know we should not say or use the reps to win, but they were there were some bad calls or no calls, I should say, in the last half. I'm gonna blame it on the fifteen percent shooting. Well, I mean, there and, were a and, couple times and, that Bean and Worcester got rocked. Yeah, th- and I there mean, were no calls in right fact, in front of the ref. Yeah, I got a couple I, of direct messages of the videos. Of them getting clocked, <laughs> yes, and I was like, "Oh, that's a problem." But at this, but again, but they Eric, let you him still got to make a shot. The, the, that was consistent with how the referees were yeah. calling the game. Yeah, and and by the way, that didn't affect the other 
28 shots that they missed in the second half or whatever it was. And a lot of those were wide. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and then you have one where uh, Berstow on a fast break fumbles the ball, loses it. Uh, you have uh, a couple of just ugly turnovers. And like you said, just a bunch of miss, missed wide open looks. It just wasn't the Aggies' night. Again, 59-56 is the final score in Game 1 from the Thomas and Max Center. They do it tomorrow night for Game 2. That will be at 9 p.m. on FS1, 8 p.m. or 8.30 p.m., I should say. Pre-game with Al Lewis and uh, uh, Jalen Moore, and then post-game with Eric Franson and uh, Al Lewis as well. So, uh, Actually, I think because of the timing of it, because uh, it's so late, Al's just going to run the – he'll run through a few stats, talk to oh, Jalen a okay. little bit. Hear from the coach and the player, and then pretty much wrap it up because it'll be late. Doesn't want to pull an all nighter, huh? I don't blame him. If I'm there, I'll, I'll probably keep talking. And, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, we're gonna wrap it up." Stay well, it out. I got another comment to make. Wait, yeah. hold so on. he's Eric. I don't think you need to come in. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Hey, I want to go home." <laughs> oh shoot! Hey, uh, by the way, if you ever do want to join in on pregame, except with the exception of tomorrow night. <laughs> Uh, be, be you're more than always welcome to do so on the post game, Eric and uh, Al. Um, you, you'll hear from coach and a player. You get a chance to call in and share your thoughts. Uh, you get to hear from Jalen Moore as well. Um, and uh, it, it's a great post game. It's fun to be a part of and fun to listen to. Uh, I've always enjoyed your guys. I've always enjoyed your guys' work uh, in those uh, in those post game sessions. So again, uh, pre game at 8 p.m. and then post game immediately following. It'll be a condensed session because of the. Extremely late night for Al, and then a very early morning on Thursday for Al. So I know how he feels, at least this week. <laughs> cool story. All right, yeah, uh, Eric. Uh, really quickly, I do I do want to ask you, and we'll get into more Aggies here in the five o'clock hours. We'll have a brand new listening group along with the great ones we got, and we'll, so we'll get some more reaction from you. Love to hear from you though. If you want to have any more thoughts, four three five three three nine zero three two one to text in. Uh, Eric, what is the most concerning thing on the defensive side of the ball? for you against UNLV with the Aggies? Well, I really like what the adjustments they made in the second half. How much of that they was made just bad really shooting, hard. and how much was it just good defense? For UNLV? Uh, for Utah State, sorry. So I'm how sorry, much of it was bad shooting defense. for the Rebels? Bo- no, I'm sorry. How much was it was bad shooting for the Rebels, and how much of it was good defense by the Aggies? Uh, I, I really liked what Utah State was doing defensively. Uh, they were quicker to their spots. They were taking away their space. They forced UNLV into a lot of late shot clock possessions a lot like they were never late in the fir- in the shot clock of the first half they were regularly late in the shot clock in the second half so utah state was making them work taking away their second and third and fourth options uh, i think as the game went on they were trying to go late in the shot clock just to milk it but um but i, I still think that utah state was doing a really good job a better job of closing out understanding the pick and roll Keta got lost sometimes in the pick-and-roll actions in the first half, and I thought he got a little bit better in understanding where he needed to be and how they needed to do some switching. But that being said, there was a time in the second half where there was some switching going on. Ashworth and Miller were out there, and Miller literally puts his hands on Ashworth and shoves him to the corner where a UNLV guy is because he didn't switch properly. Yeah, and Ashworth is getting flung around by a ragdoll by his own guys because <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to how the switch needed to happen on the screen, and so that it's going to be a lot of important film study <laughs> today. Uh, and I thought Coach Smith after the game was pretty interesting. How he was very blunt, like we we got to look at some things. 
um, how we run our offense. We may even look at personnel, what we're doing, but we don't want to overreact. Um, but he, he said, look, there's some trends here that have been going on for several games. There will come some games that we won despite these trends, but they have certainly cost us some games now. What trend do you think stands out the most? Turnovers. Yeah, Alex, I think it's both. Uh, I mean, I anytime, anytime um, things aren't going the way you'd like to go, like them to go, I always look at how is, you know, what's our personnel like? Is it a personnel issue? Meaning the guys that are on the floor, is it specifically one guy? Is it multiple guys? What is it? Is it our scheme? You know, what we're running, um, whether it's our sets or are we giving our guys too much freedom, whatever it might be, or is it, our coaching, meaning our teaching and what we're emphasizing in practice and what we're, you know, either settling for or, um, or do we have the guys in the wrong spots? You know, we run a, uh, <laughs> we run a play for Kata late, you know, later in the game and it's an easy post touch play. We've ran that play more than anybody or any other set we've run all year. And we just throw it right to their five man on while he's quarter fronting, you know, three quarter fronting us in the post. And that's been a very successful play for us all year. And so we run another play that Cato's wide open the first two times we run it and we don't hit him. He had a dunk both times. And then we run it the third time and he's guarded and we throw it right to the defender. So <laughs> like there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things right now, but you know, we got a young group of guys. we got a really connected group. They're a tight knit group. And so I know we got the guys in the locker room, but we got to find a way to get better. And, and figure it out. Because like I told the team afterwards, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results. And right now, the way we're turning it over, um, we got we to gotta adapt and adjust and figure some of those things out. We need to look at personnel. Oh, boy. How do you, I mean, and personnel-wise, and, and the biggest thing about this is I think for everybody watching, the last maybe two games, especially last night, Nimi struggled. And you could tell he got really, for the first time I felt like this year, you watched him get really frustrated. Yeah, and that was what they're saying on the broadcast uh, last night on CBS Sports Network. They could tell. And we we could tell watching it, they could tell too. And they were observing that he needs to be, he needs to stay engaged and not get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, um, that- he was trying to get down to his block, his spot on the block. He didn't. He needs to be more physical. Yeah, I mean, Jong is he's an okay physical player, but Nimi should still be able to get to where he wants to get on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And so That's they were keeping point. him far out on the block. He wasn't able to get down where he needed. He wasn't patient with and keeping connected with everybody else. He we forced a lot of stuff, and uh, he was getting frustrated. Uh, here is Coach Smith on Namiya's Keda and just the struggles he's dealing with right now and, and how he can handle it. Yeah, we, you know, <laughs> you'd have to ask him, but he, he, he had a good mindset, I thought, on the bench. Um, we did run some five-out stuff tonight um, just to get, I felt like we were not as uh, in sync as we'd like to be, and I thought that kind of got us going with moving the ball and sharing the ball. And, you know, it's, like I said with the guys, um, it's it's kind of amazing how we went from really really sharing it and moving it and playing super connected, and now the last couple of games we've just been a little bit more a lot more disjointed. I feel like 
Although the last game we uh, we did score a point of possession, which is usually when you do that, you're, you know, at Utah State, we usually win those games rather, I don't want to say easily, but um, but tonight certainly was not the case. And and um, like I said, we got to watch the film and and really just evaluate some things with where we're at without hitting the panic button. Certainly you don't want to lose two in a row. And we've only done that three times um, since we've been here. Um, but we got to really be able to look in the mirror and figure some things out. Yeah, again, I don't think it's just Demish. I think there's other couple of heads hanging, especially after last night. Uh, you saw Fonzo get pretty frustrated with himself, and rightfully so. He's 0-10, he's 0-10 from the field, 0-4 from deep, and I'd say all four good, all four are wide open looks. I mean, I think the third and fourth look, they just left him. Yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, just how different would that game have been if those yeah, oh, wide man, open man. looks fall? You know? So right, but um, Utah State has to has to be able to generate offense. You, know, the, you cannot go 12 minutes without a field goal. Yeah. Uh, they lost. I mean, the, the final score says they lost by three, but they lost by more than that. Well, and, and by the way, they had 17 turnovers, and I think uh, I'm, I'll have to look how many points were converted off those turnovers. But at one point in the first half, at the end of the half, they had eight turnovers to the Aggies, and only four points were converted by the Rebels off those eight turnovers. And the Aggies were shooting like one of 40 from deep by the end of the half. UNLV should have been up 15 and running away with this thing. Right. Every seemed like There was a stretch there. Every time Utah State would turn it over, UNLV would turn it over. Yeah, so absolutely. they just got really lucky that those turnovers didn't turn into points. 2787 text into the show. I don't think you can blame the loss on the refs if Utah State would have played their game. The way they usually do, one or two missed calls would not have mattered because they would have won either way. They had an off night. That is, yep. I, I'm with you. Like, was there a couple of calls? Sure, but when you go six of twenty something and you go twelve minutes without a field goal and you go what thirteen <laughs> that has minutes without to do a, with the guys in stripes? Yeah, there's you get two points off of free throws. I'm not going to blame the refs on this one. I'm telling you, you shoot better and you don't turn over the ball on dumb possessions. You probably win by nine or ten in this game because UNLV was just as cold as the Aggies were. Yeah, were there some missed calls? Yes. Were they pretty egregious right in front of the refs? Yeah. Yes. But you <laughs> but know what? You said that's, they were consistent. You're that's right. That's how they were. They were letting them play. Nine three one five. By the way, I missed having the text line for the post game. Any way to bring that back? Oh yeah. yeah we used to have through uh, our previous iteration of the KVNU app a way for fans to chat and interact with the post game. That was. A lot of fun. Um, we kind of got told that this new app would be able to do that, but hasn't quite delivered. Uh, so we're we are aware of that. We're trying to find some solutions, but uh, as of right now, it's not there. We apologize, but it is fun to get the reactions. But you can still call in. You can call. You can always call in the post game. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. Got a call last night. It was fun. I mean, to- it was sad, but. Because it was a loss, but it was good to interact with fans. Did you guys play violin music throughout the night? <laughs> Needed to. <laughs> uh, two one nine seven text into the show. Uh, happy to have you. Two one nine seven. Thanks for texting in. Too much hero ball last night. Not a lot of passing to the open guy. That was frustrating. A freaking men. Yes, eleven and, and Coach assists Smith to about seventeen that. turnovers. Yeah, just you can't do that. Uh, 2409, 12 minutes without a field goal is bad enough when you blow six-point blank layups and throw it into the stands. You're not going to beat anybody. UNLV did not play like a good team last night. They were almost as bad as the Aggies. See, that's the crazy thing that we just mentioned. And, and 2409 is spot on. 
if the Aggies make half their threes in the second half and 20% of their shots, they beat UNLV by double digits. Yeah, I mean, the, did you see the paint scoring? I mean, yeah. Aggies were destroying them in the paint. paint. Yep. But UNLV was staying in it because they were making their outside shots and Utah State wasn't. So if Utah State had that dominant paint scoring and some of those threes, it's a totally different ball game. You're right. It was just an off night for everybody. Can- Except for Marco in the first half. He came to play. He was making things happen. He just didn't have a lot of guys that came with him. And eventually, UNLV keyed in on him and started to kind of negate his ability. Sorry, Eric. I know 9463, you answered this text a little bit. I, I wanted to ask you one more time, though, just to clarify. So there's three-point shooting where they shot just unbelievable from deep. Do you think they can carry that 43%? They went 13 of 30. Do you think they can carry that into game two, or is that just a almost like an enigma of, like, hey, it's a one-night game. They had their night. Game two, things look different. I mean, we saw a 17-point win for the Aggies in game one versus Colorado State, and then they get floored by Colorado State in game two, out-physical, out-coached, out-toughed, you name it. Can the Rebels pull that off in game two? Can they shoot like this consistently? Okay, I'm going to go back through. This is from the UNLV game notes. Okay. UNLV has made it. This was before the game. Uh huh. UNLV has made at least ten three pointers in a game in six of its eleven games this year. Now that can be seven of twelve games this year. Forty three point six percent of their shot attempts have come from beyond the arc, and the team ranks third in the Mountain West in three pointers made per game at nine point four five a game. UNLV has four players shooting over thirty five percent from three this season led by David Jenkins, who is second in the Mountain West. It's a consistent trend for them. It's not a one-game thing where, oh my gosh, they're hitting threes. They can't sustain it. That's who they are. That's like saying the Utah Jazz are not going to make 23s against the New York Knicks tonight. In the majority of the Jazz games this year, they have made at least 23-point shots. That's who they are. So for UNLV, they put up threes. And if you're going to give them good looks, they're going to make threes. Now, the Utah State defense was much better than the second half. They didn't make nearly as many. What was it? They made eight or nine in the first half and only four or five in the second. I believe so. So it was a much different story in the second half. So I think Utah State defensively got some things figured out. Uh, If I'm Craig Smith, I'm mostly worried about getting my guys to see the ball go through the hoop. So, and, and along with this, by the way, uh, so they play Colorado State in a, in a grueling series, turn around like two days later, travel to Las Vegas, to play the next night. On a Tuesday like this, when you know you got to play them again, it's a run-and-gun game, it seemed like, with the Rebels last night. Kind of got out of control. Do you maybe just say, you know what, guys, we're going to go through a couple quick things, but I want you to just shoot. Just shoot around. Just, I mean, honestly, that's what I would do. I was kind of like, hey, let's go through a couple things that we need to work on. Play wise, make sure we got all our bearings in and that we, you know, we're all on the same page. But then for the next 20 minutes, I just want you to go take shots and nothing else. Well, that's what I asked Jalen last night, actually, after the game. I said, Jalen, have you ever been a part of a team that had such a poor shooting night, like everybody was off? How do you get better? How do you fix that? And he said, Look, you just got to get back in the gym. You just uh, get back in the gym, just keep, keep more it. shots. I like Get that. familiar with your surroundings, feel comfortable with your sight lines, and just keep shooting. See the ball go through the hoop. Just keep shooting. Hmm. 9463, 
UNLV is capable, excuse me, UNLV is totally capable of matching their shooting again. I just think that USU's 5 of 22 from deep is not sustainable for tomorrow night. Like the odds of them being that awful again, shooting are low. UNLV playing close to their ceiling beat USU playing about their worst. I like I like how that's a good phrased. point. Yep. I it's like a good point. Crazy. I mean, UNLV, uh, that was their, a season low in points and a half in the second half. Yeah. That was very uncharacteristic for them. It was uncharacteristic of both teams. Um, you know, they scored nearly 40 in the first half and only 20 in the second. Um, so, yes, that they, they weren't necessarily at their best for the full 40 minutes. Uh, but Utah State was, yeah, they've got a lot more room to grow. And, and it, and uh, I think they do have more headroom than UNLV. But that's a good Rebels team that likes to shoot the ball. They don't have much of an inside presence. So if that if that um, perimeter defense can can tighten up, and if the Aggies can see the ball go through the hoop a little better from outside, totally different ball game. That's a good point. All right, uh, let's take a break. Again, if you want to text in, love the reaction we're getting from you, uh, Aggie Nation and all our listeners, appreciate you dearly. 435-339-0321 is the number to text into. Love to hear your thoughts. Aggies uh, fall in game one. Tomorrow night's game two. Jazz play tonight. Uh, we'll get to our stat and player, that, uh, uh, stat that blew minor player of the week. And big news, the 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame election results come out in any minute. And there is rumor that no one's going to make the list. What? Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. It is the Full Court Press here. Eric Francis there. I'm Ajay Salison. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you're doing. So, 436 here on a Tuesday evening. Very cold Tuesday evening, too, might I say. I hate January in Utah. Ah, oh, ugly. Uh, if you want to text into our show, 435-339-0321. Uh, again, Aggies fall last night. Jazz played tonight. Can they continue their uh, their uh, trend? Hey, who is Sekou Smith? S-E-K-O-U Smith. You know who that is? Um, not off the top of my head. Sounds like he... I, looks like he... Uh, Passed away, and they're saying it's due to COVID. I'm telling you, this this COVID thing, man. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been a bugger. Oh, he. Uh, it sounds like he's a NBA uh, NBA writer. I uh, formerly of uh, Sports Illustrated. Now was writing on NBA.com. Was a part of NBA TV. Did a hang time podcast. Uh, yeah, looks like uh, Mr. Seku, I, I hope I said that right, Seku Smith um, has passed away and it's due to COVID. And Darn it. Stinking COVID. Getting getting tired of it already. Been tired of it ever since the start, I should say. Uh, okay, Hall of Fame ballot is supposed to be announced here in, it sounds like it's supposed to be announced today here in, in, in minutes. Today's Tuesday, right? Is that right? Today is Tuesday? Today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. Uh, and so, yeah, it was supposed to come out, actually, it was supposed to be out about 38 minutes ago. We haven't heard anything yet, at least not yet. So, uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. But the, the question is, 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 will anybody get elected? And there is rumors saying that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, okay, so. ESPN has already broken some news on that. Oh, give it to me. 
No one elected the Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2021. First time since 1960. Oh, How does that happen? Okay, so let's let, and let's go through this. Uh, Kurt Schilling was one of the closest guys to it. He, in fact, he had 70% of the vote last year. 71.1% this year. And the threshold is 75, I believe. Yes. Uh, and, and he was the closest guy. And he's still way off. Schilling, um, excuse me, uh, Barry Bonds was next. He was at 61.8%. Roger Clemens came in at 61.6%. That's silly. Kurt Schilling was a great pitcher. People just don't like him because he's a jerk. He has, yeah. Well, and he, <laughs> he has very controversial opinions that a lot of liberal sports people do not agree with. And so, like, well, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I don't like his takes. But this is about what they did on the baseball field with their position. How dominant were they at playing the sport? Not what their opinions were after the sport. It's what they did when they had a jersey on when they were helping teams win championships, which Kurt Schilling did. By the way, the last five guys to reach 70% in the Hall of Fame ballot and not make it that year made it the next year. Kurt Schilling ends that streak. And by the way, next year is his last year on the uh, BBWAA ballot. So he's got one year left, and he's not even close to being a lock right now. You get 10 years, 10 opportunities. Before you're off. Uh, uh, And then Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Now, I mean, they had made steady progress in getting up this ballot, but, I mean, just it wasn't going quick enough for them. Um, They're about, what, what, 61.8% and 61.6% between the two. Um, Last year, Bonds was at 60.7%, so he really isn't moving. So do you think they maxed out? Do you think this is... I think so. I think those who are going to vote for Bonds and Clemens are voting for Bonds and Clemens. I don't think they're going to get any more votes. Uh, Jeff- uh, Schilling has made some some improvement. I don't know if there's just some movement out there. We can't put him in until the last possible chance, and then maybe we'll, we'll just barely get him over the edge. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Another name that uh, people have been asking about is Jeff Kent. Now, here's the crazy part, is he had to really fight himself to get to 30% um, after just after eight ballots, Eric, after eight ballots, he finally got to thirty percent. Now, not that I mean he should be a lock, but the guy hit three hundred seventy-seven dingers, uh, one thousand five hundred runs, eight one hundred RBI seasons, and he won an MVP award and played till he was forty. Like voters love the longevity of players being in the league. How in the heck does Jeff Kent not get above the threshold by now? And by the way, he's also going into his final year next year on the ballot. So he, and he's not even, he's just as far, distant far, from Schilling of being a lock here. And that's that's a shame. What do you want from these players? I don't get that, man. What are we asking for then? It, it, look, this, the class this year wasn't really that strong. So how Kurt Schilling still doesn't get in despite, look, because it's with other guys who, they had decent careers, you know, but there's still juries out on there. Are they really Hall of Famers or not? Yeah, there's a lot of Gold Glove winners and things like that. But it, it's those kind of guys, and then the steroid guys, and then there's Kurt Schilling, who's like a turd. <laughs> I mean, he's a jerk, and people do not like his opinions. But that should have no bearing whatsoever 
on what he did playing professional baseball. Uh, Tyler texts into the show, and Tyler's a big Astros fan. He says, I don't even think Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer. That's crazy. Cause, and by the way, did I think, was that the team? They went to the World Series, right, uh, in 05 or 06. I don't know if they, I don't know if they, because I was on a mission, but I don't know if they beat the White Sox or lost. I think they might have lost to the White Sox in that series. But Jeff Kent was a big part of them getting to the World Series, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but not even an Astro fan says he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's just crazy that nobody gets into the ballot. And I know you said it's there's not like an, an incredible, it's not an incredibly great list. But, dude, we're talking about guys who set records. I know Barry Bonds might have done some juice, but who wasn't at that point in time? And, by the way, they saved baseball. Guys like McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds saved baseball because no one really gave a crap about the sport. They were losing attendance and ratings, and they were financially just hurting. And those guys put it on their back and carried it. And we're, but, but we're not going to reward them with a Hall of Fame spot for that. Because we're being... I, again, they juice. We understand that. But who wasn't? So I'd say we're being way too picky. I don't know. I think still there's this... I mean, I mean so Schilling shouldn't go in because he has a liberal or, a liberal or point of view politically? Conservative, I guess that is. But because... And that which has nothing to do with baseball... Nothing. We're going to take that and say you're not good enough for the Hall of Fame. I know. When did our outside lives from the field become a part of our Hall of Fame ballot? Well, but if there's guys that have a history of domestic abuse or DUIs, okay, Omar you probably take that yeah. into consideration. That's true. Omar Visquel, I definitely agree to that point. But we're talking about a guy who has a point politically, who shares his points politically everywhere he is. There is nothing wrong with that. I have points politically. You do. Everybody does. Is there a time and place to share it? Sure. Is Twitter the place? Probably not. But guess what? Twitter's a place where a lot of people share toxic things and don't care. It's just, it, it mind boggles me that he pitched, and by the way, he pitched what? A game seven in the World Series and won it, was credited with the win for the Diamondbacks or the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, he also pitched game one in that series and won it. Yep. Uh, the Bloody Sock game, was that game seven? That was game seven. Uh, was it game seven or yeah. was it game six? Oh, it was game six because game seven went to, uh, what's his bucket, Derek Lowe. Yes. I just, I mean. Yeah, here's a guy who's won multiple World Series, dominant pitcher of his era, but because he shares political views that you don't agree with, I'm going to hold him out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kurt Schilling has just wrote a letter to the Hall of Fame. Listen to this. Quote. Oh, I bet it's juicy. Uh, by the way, thank you to Piranhas for reaching out to Eric and I about this. Quote, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I'm requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in position to actually judge a player. End quote. Yep, that's juicy, all right. <laughs> oh, jeez. And there's a history of... Prima donna baseball writers, uh, which is true because they don't want to be like, this, oh, I don't want to vote for the guy because I don't, I don't want to be right, unanimous let, and I have an opinion about it. Let's make let's make this Hall of Fame decision about me, the writer, the voter, instead of about the player. Uh, how backwards is that? Totally ridiculous. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, that, that's crazy. 3886. Totally agree with Ajay on the let McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds in take. They saved baseball, and there are others in that didn't get caught. Uh, that may be true. Um, if they, if it's ter- determined that they were using performance-enhancing drugs that were not allowed, do you retroactively remove them from the hall? No, again, I mean you have you watched? I mean you're a big Cubs guy. Have you watched that thirty for thirty of Long Gone Summer, but with Sosa McGuire? I have not. Highly encourage you to watch it. I think you would honestly. I think you would love it, Eric. I really do. Um, you look at where baseball was before that chase. And it wasn't in a great spot. No. You look at baseball. It was a few years after the lockout. Mm-hmm. Fans hadn't really been coming back very much. They were angry. They felt betrayed. And Ratings then you watch during that home run chase, the amount of tension, not just in the country, but around the world. All of a sudden, people around the world are wanting to meet Mark McGuire, are wanting to hear about Sosa, are tuning into their TVs. I didn't even watch the game. I hate both teams. I hate the Cardinals. I hate <laughs> the Cubs. But I would go to Sports Center or I would watch the game because I want to see how many McGuire and Sosa got. Well, I mean, here, perfect illustration of what it did for America that, that summer. I remember Larry King is interviewing Gordon Hinckley. And I'm like glued to this interview. And... They break away from that interview to talk about this home run race. And he comes back, what do you think about this home run race? I think it's great. I mean, it it transcended into so many different areas. It absolutely was a, a, a glimmering moment for baseball. Is it tainted? Yes. Um, they need to be recognized somehow, but putting them in the Hall of Fame, I think. I That's understand cra- why oh, voters come on. wouldn't do That's it. It's crazy because they want to get their name out there and be like, hey, I'm the guy who didn't vote for him. Like, A-Rod, That's is a he going to get in? A-Rod should get in. A-Rod should get in. I, I know people are going to argue with that, but he was, a, he was a great baseball player. Juiced or not, he was a heck of a he baseball He had a little player. help in how he was a great oh, baseball God. player. Hey, but but go and be able to go to your right and pick a ball off the ground, and then be able to jump and throw to your across your body to first from shortstop is doesn't have anything to do with juice. It's God gift talent. I mean, mm. it, come on, it as they it can help with speed oh, and geez. it can help with recovery. Dude, it didn't help with the speed. I can tell you that. Eight seven nine eight says, "Welcome to woke sports media." Oh, amen to that. Good heavens, that's a spot on thought right there. I love that. Two one nine seven. What kind of person hates the Cubbies? A Braves fan who hasn't seen a World Series since 1995 and saw the Cubs win it in 15. <laughs> I'm bitter. Yes, I'm still bitter. Uh, 9436 says, yeah, he just pointed out to us again, the big announcement, no players on the 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Um, Schilling was the closest at 70%, you need to be, or 71%, I said. 71. Said. Uh, and he's in the uh, threshold is uh, 75%. And when's the last time this happened? Uh, it was in the 60s, 1960. First time since 1960. What a shame. What an absolute shame. But you know what? Let's go ahead and build attention to the riders because they want to be like, hey, I didn't vote this guy in. Huh. Interview me. I get I give me the attention. What a shame. So embarrassing. It is embarrassing. All right, when you go to break, come back, wrap up the first hour, but that went by quickly. Thank you so much for the participation. 9310. Don't leave. I got your text. We have mentioned it a little bit. We're gonna get we're gonna deep diaper into uh <laughs> <laughs> into the Aggies Rebels game one loss and then to get ready for game two. So 9310, I haven't forgot about you. We'll get there in just a moment. Hold tight, coming back. More of the full court press coming up.
It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and AJ Selvason. 9463, <laughs> is it time to consider Tom Brady the best athlete of all time? I'd put MJ and then I'd put Tom Brady. Again, MJ never lost. True, but MJ walked away from the game a couple of times. Michael Jordan went and won three in a row, left the game, went and played baseball, came back, and then won three in a row again. If Tom Brady were to leave, go play baseball, come back, Tom Brady would not be the same player. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Eric Franson there, AJ Salveson here, 455 your time. We're getting ready to wrap it up here on the first hour of the Full Court Press. We'll talk Aggies, we'll talk Rebels, Game 1 slash Game 2. Next hour, we're getting to the Jazz basketball stat, player, uh, and much, much more here on the Full Court Press. Hour number two. Hey, uh, good text from Greg Matson. You got that, Eric, by chance? Can you read that for us? Just in regard to the Hall of Fame, again, nobody made the bow for the first time since the 60s. Yeah, breaking within the last 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, yeah, Long Gone Summer. That's the documentary, that yeah, 30 for 30. Yeah, so good. Um says, let me ask you about the worst human being to wear a baseball uniform ever, Ty Cobb. How in the world is he in the Hall of Fame if we're talking about character? Okay, so that's okay. That's a spot-on point. Because I'll tell you what, if you take today's off-the-field rules that can get you off the or get you into the Hall of Fame, and you take that and put it into Ty Cobb's era, Ty Cobb is getting 0% vote the whole entire time. He doesn't get one vote the whole entire time. That's how, I mean, his teammates hated him. <laughs> uh, we also got a text from 9310. Just joining the show. Not sure if you've talked about Bean. Past five games, Bean is 15 of 43 from uh, field goals and 0 for 8 from 3. Mm. He's lost his ability to get putbacks. Bean isn't the only problem, but you'd hope to see someone who's played starter minutes for over a season to do better. Look, last night everybody has everybody a problem right now. Off. Can I just say that? I mean, Bean did finish with respectable numbers, 10.6 rebounds and a steal, but he was a double-double machine. It was a yeah. regularity that was double in points, doubles in rebounds, and he hasn't quite been there. He's also had some pretty tough defensive assignments this year. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about game two tomorrow. Uh, we'll also get into some jazz basketball, stat and player, and much, much more here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. Stick around. We are Fox And here's what you need to know. The Baseball Hall of Fame announced the election results for the 2021 class. Here's the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Tim Mead. For the first time since 2013 and the ninth time since voting began in 1936, no candidate reached the necessary 75% threshold for election. The highest vote getter, that was Kurt Schilling at 71%, followed by Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, both finishing below 62%. 14 ballots were returned empty. Schilling, since releasing an email to the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's been posted publicly. I wanted to reiterate this final point. I will not participate in the final year of voting. I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. So no one going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Three games tonight in the NBA. The first starts this hour. The Clippers in Atlanta. I'm Ralph Irvin. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
Welcome back to the Full Court Press, hour number two here underway. 501, your tip-off time with Eric France and Amal J. Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, 106.9thefan.com, and uh, on the mobile app, carrying us around on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app, uh, however and wherever you're at. And however you're listening, we appreciate you for doing so. Always, always, always great to have you uh, wonderful listeners around us. Uh, we uh, definitely appreciate you and all the feedback and the, the way you make this show um, so much fun. You guys make the show what it is, which is a great show, and it's been a blast for us. So thank you. Uh, if you want to continue to participate in the show, you're always welcome, whether you're new or a veteran of the show. Uh, 435-339-0321 is how you can text in. If you want to call in, it's 435-752-1069. Uh, a couple of uh, news and notes to get around to really quickly. Uh, the uh, Kobe Bryant death is, uh, we're at one year today. Um, it's crazy because 2020 feels like it, was, it it took five years to get through. And then the death anniversary of last year to this year seemed like it took like five days. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, and as the death of Kobe Bryant has continued to transcend and impact many people all over the world, uh, I, I keep reading stories and seeing and great stories from people, both of the NBA family and non-NBA family, sharing uh, their experiences that they had with Kobe Bryant in some way, shape, or form, uh, and, and it's awesome. Um, it, it tells you a lot about who Kobe Bryant was uh, as a player and as a human being, but more importantly as a dad, too. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it, crazy, though, that we're at the, already at the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. That's that's insane. Yeah, that's right. It does seem like it was just the other day. Um, in uh, That rocked the NBA world a year ago, and then you had COVID, and uh, seasons disrupted, and Crazy year for the NBA. Um, tonight, I'm sure there'll be moments of silence or, or different things done to remember uh, Kobe Bryant. Just a few games tonight. Jazz uh, are hosting the Knicks. We'll have that here on the fan. Clippers and Hawks should be tipping off here in about uh, 30 minutes or so. That's in Atlanta. And then the Wizards at the Rockets at about 6 o'clock this evening. So uh, I would imagine that in some of these, some of these games, it, there will be some kind of tribute done or something like that. I'm sure you'll see his numbers written on uh, players' shoes and things like that because uh, he was really influential for a lot of guys uh, that uh, not only who tried to model their game after him, but who reached out to him and yeah. he reached, he followed back. He was always open and uh, Donovan Mitchell has talked about that. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Clarkson played with him. So there's, there's guys that, uh, they were very close to, to Kobe Bryant and was a good mentor for them for a lot of different reasons. Uh, January 26 takes another way an NBA guy of this year, and that's Seikau Smith, uh, who is an NBA writer. He's been on NBA TV. Uh, he's been on. He's helped out with uh, the jump. He's been with. I mean, everybody in regards to the NBA world right now is sharing their support uh, for for Seikau Smith and. Um, I honestly, and this is, I, I mean this with all due respect, I, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know how big of an impact he had, but you see all the people reaching out right now on, on social media about the, the death of Mr. Smith and, and, and how much impact he had on the NBA world. Uh, it's two years in a row, January 26th, been a rough one on the NBA world. So this one, uh, this one's a, a tough one. And, so, and, and it, by the way, it was the, uh, it was the passing uh, uh, cause of COVID. And so uh, we urge all our wonderful listeners and everybody around um, please continue to be safe. Please continue to take caution. Please continue to be respect, uh, re, uh, respectable to or, towards others. Uh, wear your mask, social distance, 
Um, don't don't uh, kid around with this thing because it's not something to be toyed with. No, no. We've uh, both of us personally have known people who have gone through the ringer with this thing, and um, and I somebody I know died this last summer from it. So uh, yeah, you, you gotta take it seriously. It always been around. We're all tired of wearing masks. We're tired of hearing about it. But it's still very much a thing. We're going to continue to hear about it. still very much have to respect yep. it. Absolutely. It's great that a vaccine's available, but not everybody's vaccinated. So you still got to be patient. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's jump on something good, right? Well, I guess I can't go to really something good. Game two, game one last night at Thomas and Mack Center between the Aggies and the Rebels goes to the Rebels, 59-56. The Aggies fall to 2-19 and when playing the Rebels in Las Vegas. 2 and 19 when playing the Rebels in Las Vegas. The crazy thing is that they've out-rebounded every single opponent have the Aggies. The bad news is they haven't really translated the wins, and a part of that, at least last night, was A, bad shooting, and B, turnovers were a major, major issue. Yeah, credit what UNLV for some of those turnovers. Um, they were aggressive. They were getting into some passing lanes. But the vast majority of those turnovers last night by the Aggies were unforced errors. Ball just slipping out of a guy's hand, right out of bounds. Yeah. Guy on a fast break and goes a fumble ruski. Can't handle it. Just a bad, lazy pass. Um, so they've got to be more dialed in, more committed to making a pass, receiving the pass, not just being lazy and waiting for it to arrive. Go get it. Um, and to just be, be more connected, as Coach Smith says. That's kind of missing. The, the team... When they had their great run, everybody was engaged and involved, and it was flowing, and it was fun and awesome. But uh, for the last few games, it really hasn't been. It's been kind of sticking. Uh, guys aren't moving around to their spots as well. They're not screening for each other as well. Um, and uh, some guys are getting frustrated out there, uh, which, you know what, you, you got to rise above that and try to help your teammates out instead of just getting grumpy. Here is Coach Smith uh, on the loss to UNLV last night. It's a tough night for the Aggies. Um, credit UNLV. I thought they played really, really well um, in a lot of respects, but it was really, in a lot of ways, a tale of two halves. You know, the first half, um, we weren't great on offense. We weren't great on offense all night. Certainly the second half, we weren't. But um, defensively, I just, we had a lot of breakdowns in the first half. Uh, Moses Wood gets 10 points. Um, we lose them. Uh, somehow we don't we miss a switch and he drills a three and we knew at the four spot he was one guy that could make a three. Um, we lose him a couple times cutting to the basket. He gets two offensive rebounds. Um, Jiang gets three offensive boards in the first half and then you know they score six points on out of bounds plays um, with uh, David Jenkins coming off of a couple simple little pin downs that are, you know, we got to chase them out and we don't, and he makes us pay with a couple threes. And then our screen and roll defense was very average. I felt like, and they got some clean looks specifically throwing it back um, on, on a screen and roll with some rhythm threes. Now I am proud of how we guard in the second half. We guarded at a high, high level, made a couple adjustments. Obviously the shooting numbers show themselves. On the offensive end, we got to find a way to get better, and and we got to really look at a lot of things, um, you know, whether it's scheme or personnel. Um, way too many turnovers. It's very difficult to win on the road with 17 turnovers. It's been an issue, like we've talked about pregame. Um, um, it's been an issue for us now for the last what one, two, three, four, five, six, five of the last six games, 
And we have to be able to tighten that thing up and make better decisions with the ball and be tougher with the ball and then find a way to finish plays. You know, I don't know how many shots we had right around the basket there that we couldn't finish. And, you know, the first half we had any three we wanted and just couldn't throw one in the ocean. It felt like except for the one we got fouled on. So maybe that was the key is to get fouled more on, on threes. But tough night. We gave ourselves a chance there at the end with the press and created some turnovers, thought it gave us some energy and uh, got it down to a one possession game and had a chance to um, to score. And, and uh, we called the full timeout uh, down three and we run a set that we've had in since we've been here and we don't run it right, which is I mean, just kind of mind-boggling, and it was, you know, it was a veteran. It was our veteran guys, so that was um, very, very frustrating to say the least. But that comes back to coaching, and uh, we got to be able to know exactly what we're doing in that scenario. Well, we don't need to break down the game. Coaches did it for us right there in two minutes and thirty-four seconds. Uh, before we go any further, uh, really quickly, Marco Anthony also joined the podium last night, and here's his opening statement as well. It's not two minutes long, so you don't have to be as patient. Maybe. Maybe. Um, first off, I want to say uh, UNLV is a very talented team, and they really did their job tonight. Um, on our end, it started off in the first half. We uh, just really couldn't get stops and hold them to uh, like what we're capable of. They're getting a lot of easy looks, and um, they're making some tough shots too, but that just goes to show how talented they are. And then the second half, we did that. We held them. Um, we did good. We did good defensively, but down the offensive end, we couldn't get anything going. Um, I feel like there's a lot of easy shots we missed, especially in the paint. And then there is a lot of times where, uh, especially me driving in, there's people open for kickouts and then just trying to, you know, go up. So that really distorted the connectedness um, of our team and of our movement. So. Again, that's Marco Anthony. Again, Aggies fall in game one, 59-56. Uh, they play game two tomorrow at 9 p.m. Pre-game at 8.30 with Al Lewis uh, on KVNU. And then a uh, shortened post-game due to the late night of the game uh, with Al Lewis, Jalen Moore. Um, and then the Aggies head to Fresno next week. Uh, Eric, I think for any of us, as much as you and I probably were frustrated with the, the game, especially the second half yesterday, I can't imagine what guy. I mean, how guys like Alfonso... Keta, Ashworth was really quiet. Uh, Raleigh missed a bunch of really good open looks. I can't imagine how frustrated they are as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Guys who have been pretty money uh, just really struggled. Steven Ashworth was 0 for 3. Alfonso Anderson was 0 for 5. Worcester was 4 for 10, uh, but 1 for 5 from 3. Um, Marco, was, as good as he was in the first half, he struggled in the second half. Most of his points came at the free throw line. So, just a uh, really frustrated night um, for the Aggies last night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, that's two games in a row, really. Um, they've got some things they need to figure out. It's getting that t- team concept going again. And I don't know that I saw, like, one guy try to say, I'm going to put it on my back and will our team to no. victory and kept missing shots. I just think collectively they were just were all off. Yeah. So they got to get in the gym, put up a lot of shots, just get comfortable. Yeah, just go shoot. Just go shoot around for 20 or 30 minutes. And, I mean, I, like we, talk, we talked about in the first hour, if I was the coach, go through a few key things that you want to adjust to tomorrow night, and then the next 20 whatever minutes you got, just go shoot around. 
just go shoot jump shots um, and, and get yourself in rhythm again. Uh, well, the other thing, too, is uh, it, it is a little bit later night tonight, but their next game isn't until, what, next Wednesday? Is it, is it Wednesday? Is it a Wednesday-Friday? It's not a Thursday-Saturday series, right? When's the 4th? December, uh, or it's February 4th. February 4th, so that would be a Thursday-Saturday series. Okay, so it's so they play tonight, and then they're going to have a, a full week, week off. plus. Yeah. So that's the biggest break they've had in quite some time. I think it's the biggest break they have the rest of the way until the end of the season, too, if I'm not mistaken, if I look at it right. So it, uh, run them hard tonight because you're going to get a little, little extra uh, breath and, and rest, get the win, um, and then enjoy the rest before you have to uh, – Pick it up again. Yeah. 435-339-0321. Again, you're always welcome to text into the show. We'd love to have you. Uh, Coach, uh, towards the end of the opening statement, talked about the final play, the at least our final offensive set play, and that it went array. I'm so grateful that Al Lewis, with the first question, jumped in immediately and was asking for more of a specific detail of what he saw that went wrong on that play. Right. Yeah, there. we were. That's what we called the full timeout. And of course, you think of all the scenarios, right? Like, do we want to get a quick two? Um, do we want to go to Kada in there? Do we want to run a, another, you know, various quick hitters to try to get us, you know, an easy one? Um, and we would decide we we're going to go for the tie um, at that point. And 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 obviously, we just didn't execute it the way we needed to execute it uh, because we ran it completely the wrong way. Um, and that shouldn't happen when you when we work on those kind of things as much as we work on those types of things in late game situations. So that was a bit perplexing. Um, that was very very perplexing. And so then it was just a broken play. And of course, it's easy to say, do we lose? Do we use our last timeout in that scenario? If we score, we want to use the timeout to set up the press. You know, if it's a if it's a quick two. Um, so we chose to hold on to it, and and obviously didn't get a clean look um, at all in that. Uh, on that possession. So I'm looking at the play right now as we speak, and Beans inbounding near side straight away from Coach Smith and the Aggie bench. He gives it to Ashworth, and Ashworth is like way above the right side of the arc. And then he gets, uh, and then he, Anthony comes from a door screen, uh, or gets a door screen from Keta. He gets to the top of the arc and catch the ball. This is where things go wrong, and I'm still trying to figure out what happens. Beans on the left side of the elbow, Brock's on the left block, and it. I mean, this is, and then I, I, I'm telling. You, I think it's, it's either Brock or it's Bean, because someone either set the screen on the wrong side, and because then you have a cluster of Brock and Ashworth on the exact same side within like a foot of each other, and then Bean has, and then, and then Marco instead not giving to Brock. Drives to the lane and draws a foul. Luckily, we get bailed out by UNLV. But that play just looked, I mean, it looked broken from about when the screen from the elbow goes on and it nothing happened. It took way too long oh, to Oh, yeah. Develop. By the way, it took like eight seconds to get into that. Oh, uh, well, they had the inbound the ball with 17 on the clock. It, and they, they Anthony, called the, call, the foul with like yeah, six so or seven. You're right. You're right. Actually, it's with seven, 7.4 left. You're right. Yep. So you're looking at 10 seconds off the clock. And again, it's because like someone ran the play wrong. Yeah, it just looked like it wasn't happening right. Then finally, Marco's like, "Well, I'm just gonna drive it." <laughs> Which he should look if, if the guy's not running, you're like, "We got to create something." Because I got, I'm running out We're of time. Running here. out of time. And again, luckily UNLV bailed him out. And by the way, how about UNLV's execution or actually, excuse me, 
lack of execution in the final minute. Oh, man. I mean, they nearly gave that thing to yeah. Utah State. Blake is was the happiest guy last night. Oh, I felt so bad. I didn't feel back bad. Back-to-back, silly So what, yeah. Okay, hey, time out. So wait, he has the missed dunk, and then he travels on another dunk. Uh, What? There Was he also the one who... Uh, there's a turnover. Like he threw the turnover on the back side of the court and was picked off by I think either uh I think it was picked off by Raleigh, bounced past a bean on the press. I think that was him too. So we had the turnover on uh, like on a cross court pass that should have never been thrown. And that turned into a layup. Then he missed a dunk, and then he actually got called travel or was called travel on another dunk, which was the correct call. So yeah, and UNLV nearly gave that thing away. Uh, luckily for them, the Aggies were definitely not on their game. Uh, got a text last night. Uh, I was not able to watch the game last night, but Coach Smith said that they pressed at the end of the game. Why don't we press more? Well, he kind of alluded to that last night that they may do that a little bit more, yeah. just to uh, to to try to initiate, try to get some energy going, try to initiate some offense. Out of defense, so they they might do a little bit more pressing tomorrow night. I'd like to see it, and I, I think it's something they should have done to Colorado State as well. By the way, the thing is with Colorado State, they got so much speed; they're so fast. Well, UNLV's got some talented players too. You just have to be careful when you do the press because you can get beat bad if you do it wrong. Yeah. Uh, here is Marco on just the mentality of the team right now as they've lost two in a row and now going into game two against Rebels. I mean, we're just holding our head high. We know that this is, you know, this is basketball. This happens. Um, if we just leave our head down on games lost, then we're just going to keep losing games. We can't afford to do that. So, you know, we take the punch. Um, we learn from it. We watch film. And um, next time uh, we change the outcome. But it's really just a learning experience uh, and just – Never making the same mistake twice, and that's that's what we really value here. And then Marco here. I don't know what the fetch a certain individual asked here, uh, but here's Marco. I got to find out what Curious George asked. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, it's you know the team that scores the most points win, and uh, that's what they did today. Yeah, credit to them though, because very talented. Um, I'm not going to tell you what I titled the question as because I can't but uh marco you could tell was frustrated just by the lack of scoring and the lack of productivity on the offensive side of the ball especially and again i can't emphasize it enough and i know you have to especially when we were texting each other last night but just in the second half how abysmal that was eric for yeah can you give me the numbers again marco had a decent first half he was in double figures in the first half he had like 12 first half points and he ends up with 18 and most of those second half points came at the free throw line. That tells you how bad the shooting was for everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, Brock Miller. Uh, do you have the numbers on Brock right there by chance? Brock was two for three from three. Um, and then he uh, hit a free throw because he had a four point play. But so he, he ended that, up with seven points. And then they gave that technical foul, huh? On the uh, intentional foul. Yeah. Was that a good call? Yeah, it was the right call. Oh, okay. Uh, Grab like, the guy's arm. Don't wrap him up as he's going right to the hoop. Yeah, but like, don't you want to foul him though? Like, yeah, you, you do to... want to foul him, but there's a way to foul him that it's a foul rather than a technical plus possession oh, again. Okay. So he did it the wrong way. 
Uh, here is Coach Smith on Brock Miller. They did. They were really face guarding him and really trying to take him away. And then when you watch everyone else, you know, they were really packing it in the paint. And, I mean, there's a reason some of our guys had as many wide open looks as they had, uh, specifically in the first half. And we didn't and we didn't make them pay. You know, I mean, I don't know how many just wide open threes that we had that way. So they were they were just basically in a lock situation on Brock and making it very, very difficult for him to to get to get catches within our offense. And if teams are going to guard, you know, teams did that with Sam a lot as well. And obviously those two guys are different players, but um, uh, then other guys got to, you know, step up to the plate. And we just had, I mean, I don't know how many clean looks that we had that we just, we couldn't make. I mean, we just didn't make them. And then other times, like I said, where we just forced the issue that way. So if they're going to face guard one guy, then theoretically you're playing four on four with the other guys, which, should be always the advantage to the offense and so but we didn't make them pay and we're going to have to find a way because they're going to do the same thing in two days from now yeah they're not dumb i mean if you can get brock miller and the crazy thing is they're really he was the only guy they face guarded like the only guy they absolutely eyed and keyed on throughout the entire night to make sure he didn't get any kind of rhythm that tells you how good brock has been lately right and i think that's Part of the reason why Miller was, or excuse me, Marco Anthony was able to get some things going. Yeah, uh, he had a little more freedom because they were focused on on Brock. But um, you, you got to have more out of your bench. You're when you have wide open looks, you got to put them in. Um, you know, Bearstow, poor Bearstow, he had an opportunity to have himself a good night. <laughs> like he had a, a nice steal. He had a. a a, a breakaway. <laughs> he, he lost the ball. Lost the ball. And on another play on a breakaway, <laughs> because he's so worked laugh. up over the last thing that had happened, he just like has a layup that's like way too hard off the glass. But outside of those two plays, he was doing some nice things yeah. off the bench. He was like one of the only guys that yeah. was actually doing some p- positive stuff Being while he was on the end. court. Just uh, feel bad he had those two really bad plays. Give me the free throw numbers again for the Aggies. Uh, at the free throw line, they were 11 of 12. So thank goodness, at least those were going in. 5763 Texan. It's too bad shots were not falling. I think we needed to be more aggressive trying to get to the line last night. That's what you do when the shots aren't falling. I thought Marco did a good job of that. Right. In the second half, and the he shot finished wasn't falling, too, so he was, going, he was attacking the rim, and that's yeah. why he got most of his points at the free throw line. Uh, A577. Oh, man. Bearstone needs to be benched and never play ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, um, I he like has, though. He has had some like issues him. with some silly, unforced errors. Uh, and I was, the way he was playing, I was starting to be encouraged. Like, hey, maybe he's turning a corner. And then uh, he had those plays. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it, he's and still a sophomore. Yeah. Well, and there was, a, I mean, there was a lot of freshman moments, even from the veterans yesterday, if I dare might say. I just, I think everybody had their off night, and that's what happens. That's what a team looks like when everybody is off. Not one guy can get it going, and that's that's what happened. So, uh, again, 59-56, your final score in game one. Well, and Craig Smith's right. Look, like, we've lost two in a row, but let's not panic. Let's not hit the panic yeah. button yet. Last year, they they lost three in a row at UNLV versus San Diego State at Air Force, which and was two totally of those inexplicable. Three were butt kickings. Yes, Two of those three were, we're going to run you out of the gym and laugh at you doing it. They win one and then they lose another one. So they lost four out of five games. Yeah, it was a bad time for Smith And that was and that Aggies. silly finish in, in Boise. So they lost four out of five games. And at that point, 
I mean, everyone's like pulling out their hair. Like this team is definitely not going back to the tournament. Yeah. This was a team preseason was a top Fire twenty-five sticks team. Fire and pitchforks were were very out and about. But look, they got things together. They were able to play well, play well in the tournament, especially when it mattered, <laughs> and did enough to to be qualified for the tournament. I just is this it. your team going to be the same? I don't know. We're going to learn a lot. I think tomorrow night is going to tell us a lot. How does this team react and bounce back? There still needs to be bent to never play again. <laughs> hey, we should have Curious George just ask a question since he's so curious. Just something like that. <laughs> Pay him 20 bucks to ask Coach a question. I would I would die well, laughing. What's the likelihood that he asks? Now is... Uh, don't. Don't do this to me, dude. Is is Namish Keta and Sean Barristow, they're not from America, are they? <laughs> is Marco a transfer? I don't know. Look at the article you wrote a year and a half ago and you'll find out. Uh, <laughs> How do you... How do you cover a team and not hey, know this? Hey, okay, hey, I'll tell you what. Let's put a let's put a pool of money in. Okay, twenty five from you, uh, twenty or uh, twenty five from Alan, five bucks from me, uh, and let's let's <laughs> okay, have, that seems fair. Let's have Curious George ask about the NCAA tournament to Coach Smith and if he's getting ready for it. Uh, how many times <laughs> before now in the end of the tournament? Marco, not West. when he asked Marco, Marco's like, uh, game two. Tomorrow. <laughs> Just didn't even want to talk about it. Uh, 5763. Watching Barristow last night was like watching Shaq in a full. Man. <laughs> he, okay, I, I yeah, and I agree. Like that fast break is a Shaq in a full moment. Yes. You're all alone. Nobody's around you. <laughs> I think, I, I, I can imagine what Craig Smith's reaction was. He's just probably looking at Ben's like, nope, we're not, yep, uh, we're done tonight. Uh, 2787, if Utah State does not get things figured out, the team up north is going to have a heyday when they play each other in Boise State. Well, yeah, if you play like you did last night, you're not going to win. Hey, by the way, the game on Wednesday between Boise State and Colorado State, the Vegas line, this is for entertainment purposes and... Guessing games only. Curious, uh... Curious, George. Talking points. It's even. Stop it. No, it's not. It's even. You know what? Should we do it? Should I? Don't make me do this. I'll do it too. I will pull out my guarantee. Do you want me to pull? Are you ready? I'll do it. I'll pull out a guarantee. <laughs> it's it's two one nine seven or whoever it is two one four seven or I I'm telling you that's even right now. It's even. That's a shame. That's a dang shame. The line is even. The over under is at one forty seven and a half. What's the line for Utah State? Do you know? They haven't said it yet. I don't know why it's not there. Maybe because it's in Las Vegas. Maybe because they were so far off yesterday. They're like, you know what? Let's let's rethink things and try again. <laughs> I don't know if they set lines for UNLV when they're in Las Vegas. I don't know. There may, I think there's a rule about that. Oh, that would make sense. No. I didn't think about that. Um... Yeah, but as of right now, Boise State at Colorado State Wednesday, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Even. That's it. It's guarantee time. <laughs> Let the sirens sound. Well, what are you guaranteeing? You haven't said what you're guaranteeing. You're just saying you're guaranteeing. 2417 says no. <laughs> Boise State's going to win by 10 plus points in game one. <laughs> 
Boise State. Wait, is this a guarantee or is this that special magic trick where you no, speak things no. into existence? <laughs> Stop it. Don't you dare. <laughs> this is a guarantee. Boise State's going to win by 10 plus. <laughs> It would it would honestly help the Mountain West if Colorado State wins. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Boise State's knocking on the door of a top twenty-five, and that's nice and all. But it would put more teams in the top fifty and help the uh, the, the possibility of multiple teams going to the NCAA tournament this spring. Uh, five three. So three, we yeah. so Boise State fans. You should all, for the good of the league, remember? We keep hearing about the good of the league from seven, Boise. 787, are you listening? For the good of the league, <laughs> you should let Fres- or Colorado State win on Wednesday. Derek Alston. Right, you know what, Derek Alston? You get to shoot every shot. That's the best <laughs> way we're going to look bad or at least look good losing. Derek Alston, you take every single shot. As soon as you cross half court. As soon as you cross half court. <laughs> uh, 5338, Captain Craig... Need some better support from the reserve infantry, Ashworth and the Fawns. I would agree. <laughs> did you see Captain Craig Smith on Twitter last night? I didn't, no. Do you pull that up? Uh, uh yeah. five seven six three text in. Uh and if they don't win by ten plus points, I don't know. We'll put something together. I, I should suffer the crime of my guarantees when they don't come true. Thank goodness we didn't do it for the Jazz and Brave series. Uh, let's see, Captain Craig Smith last night. Hey, oh, wait, do you want me to do it? No. I can no. do it. Nope. Oh, come on. Uh, Dearest Mother, we are carrying out an investigation to ascertain who replaced our ammunition with blanks before storming the Rebel stronghold. <laughs> <laughs> they were shooting a lot of blanks. Blanks? <laughs> Alfonso was, at least. Uh, five, yeah, anyway. He wasn't the only one. Five, seven, six, three. We'll come up with a punishment when my guarantees don't come right. I like this idea. I love this idea. 5763. Good point. Uh, 2787. You guys make me laugh. Go Boise. <laughs> what did we just tell you? Are you not listening? We need you to lose. That's right. That, right. That's all we hear. You know, you know for what? the good of the conference, we I'm need gonna, to be I'm gonna text coach, conscious here. I, I'm so. going to text Coach Durier, the offensive coordinator, and be like, hey, I've got a great plan for you. <laughs> Derek Alston, 40-footers, all game long, For baby. the good of the conference. Look. Coach, if you know it's good for you, you're gonna let you're gonna let Boise State lose this one. Let me know how that goes. Hey, maybe we'll get Curious George to hop on and ask Leon Rice if you know have they thought about losing the game to help the Mountain West Conference. And how do they feel about the Mountain West Conference and the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Getting. <laughs> do you think you can get a little teams in, Coach? We're so mean. We're going to H-E-L-L-W hockey sticks. I'm telling you. Not even it doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the Full Court Press. Wow, that blew my mind. Couldn't find it. Stat that blew our mind. We pick a number throughout the week that we find to just want to blow your right arm off. It's meant to blow your mind, not another part of your body. Well, it can do both. Okay? It can do both. When I played Call of Duty, 
Those grenades just don't blow the mind. <laughs> I want to make that clear. Okay. Hey, uh... So violent. Oh, you started it. I finished it. Okay, so 5763 asked... Uh... <laughs> 5763 asked... Because I guaranteed, rightfully so, and I guaranteed the right one, Boise State will win game one by 10-plus points. And 5763 said, well, what if they don't? All right, let's create a punishment. 6891. I love this, but I'm going to need somebody's help. I think if you lose, you should wear a Boise State jersey. Now, I refrain from wearing jerseys, period, in this building. Because some of them are so valuable and so treasured. Such as my Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. But I refuse to wear a BYU or Boise State gear. But if I lose this, I will agree to do so. But I need some help. I don't have a Boise State jersey. Someone's got to help me here. And I'll even take a photo of it with Eric. And then Eric will put it on. 6891 says, for a week. Oh, whoa! Whoa! That, that, that may Whoa. Be a bit, that may be a bit steep. Whoa! Okay, I didn't I didn't guarantee they win every game by ten plus just one game. Yeah, that's a little steep. A one day punishment's fair enough. Yeah, I agree. A Boise State jersey. Where am I gonna find those though? Two seven nine or eight seven. Help me out. Fair enough. Six eight nine one. Okay, that's the deal. If I lose, I have to wear a Boise State jersey. Or you know what would really suck? If I had to wear like a. Like a Jets jersey. Oh, that's horrible. I'd want to throw up. Could it be like a hat? Or a shirt? Hey, no. Listen, our listeners have created the punishment. And I must abide by our listeners' demands. Uh, 2787, I second that all the way. You would also have to sing Boise Skull Fight Song <laughs> live on air. <laughs> Oh, that's good. 247, or excuse me, 2417 agrees. Says, yes, I love it. I love it. Well, you're going to hate it when I'm coming here wearing a nice tuxedo with a red tie and uh, spacking smack after my guarantee comes true. Listen, I'm 0 for 2 on guarantee so far in my career. The Jazz, but that was Donovan Mitchell's fault. And the Braves, but that was uh, Brian Snicker's fault. So none of them have been my fault yet. So let me clarify. If it's not my fault, then I don't have to wear the jersey. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just calm <laughs> down. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's get uh, let's get to our stat. Let's get into our stat. Okay, uh, Eric, why don't you go ahead and go first? So, kind of, this is interesting. It will blow your mind. I don't know how much it is a stat. Okay. Hit me in the pinky. Uh. Okay. So the Super Bowl is now set. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the first ever Super Bowl that uh, will be at a, a site for the yep. for one of those teams. Yep. That's interesting. Yep, that's cool. Okay, here's some more interesting things about it. It's the first Super Bowl ever between the last two quarterback champions. Dang it, dude! Brady could be the first starting quarterback to win a Super Bowl in both conferences. No, no, you only get one stat. You only get one stat. No, don't say the next one, because if it's what I think it is, <laughs> I'm going to be really t- upset with you. And it'll be, um, okay, I'll skip that one, and I'll go to the other one that's kind of related. You can only get one. No, this is a stat, not stats. And in the, the first 53 years of the Super Bowl, there's never been a red versus Gosh, red team. Eric! 
That was my that set. That was your next one? Yes. I had two of them. The last two, two years, there's been two. I got it from Darren Rovell, and you stole it. Okay, here's... Were you going to no, do this one, too? No, About no, no, you're mom. done. No, stop. You know what? No, you're done. You're grounded. I didn't get mine from Darren Ravel, by the way. Well, I did. No. <laughs> well, that's the risk you you're take a moldy you cheese. have me go first. You're a moldy cheese curd. That was my stat, man. Now what am I supposed to do? Okay, hold on. You know what? Well, wait. Did I take all of them? Or yeah. You, said there was you just more? took no. You took two of my. You took two of them, and I had two of them. Well, then I. I have one last thing on that point. No, I'm not. You're getting only one. No, because if it's this one, I'm gonna be angry with you. So no, you are grounded. <laughs> all right, I'll stop and I'll let you speak. If you don't say it, I'll bring it back up. I'm sure you will. Uh, I gotta find a stat now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Don't laugh. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, the risk nah. of not uh, sharing this information oh. with each other before <laughs> the show. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah. Cue let's... the Jeopardy music. Um, you know what? When you get two stats and I only get one, <laughs> it's kind of unfair. Let's I... see here. Oh, okay. So uh, let's do this one. The uh, Baseball Hall of Fame is not electing anybody. And according to my sources... Uh, this is the ninth time that the BBWAA did not elect anybody in the, as a Hall of Fame candidate for since the rules were changed to eliminate the runoff elections in 68. Uh, Schilling fell 16 votes short in his ninth and next to last year. So I pretty much just read you what we've already talked about in our first hour. That is my stat because you took mine away. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> I, I didn't and you know. know. What? How did I not? I, I should have known. I, I, I should have known. Because when you're like, wait, I'll skip this one, then you got this stupid grin on your face, and I'm like, I know it's coming. He's going to take my color one away. <laughs> okay, here's the other piece of this. Oh, great. Can't wait. Mahomes could be the first back-to-back champion since Brady. That's all I was going to say. Good for you. Next time, I get to do the stat. <laughs> Why don't you go player first this time? Before I say anything, you, you better give your player of the week. I don't want to steal that from you, too. All right, my player of the week is going to be Tom, or not Tom Brady, sorry, LeBron James. Uh, so last night he misses a uh, uh, a shot at the end of the third quarter, and the chief financial or chief staff or chief of staff or whatever it is for Cleveland sitting courtside, and he's thrilled about LeBron missing a third quarter buzzard shot. So LeBron looks at him, smiles, nods, says K, walks away. Then comes back and goes into Vintage LeBron and puts up 21 in the fourth quarter to take a two-point game into a runaway game. LeBron is still the greatest NBA player on the court right now, and he's like 40. It's incredible what he's doing. And the crazy thing is, our Friday Five best of top five all time, he may or may not be on that list. Based on what our criteria is looking like, it should be according to our listeners. Hmm. That's good. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Thankfully, I did not have LeBron James, but I am going to the NBA. Um, you were going to pick this, LeBron James, weren't you? Now no, you this switch. player had his fortieth thirty-point game this season, and in a game just the other night, he scored thirty-nine points, had nine rebounds. Uh, five of those thirty-nine points were three 
were three pointers, so I guess 15 of those 39 came from beyond the arc. He shot 60% from field goal range. This player has, uh, as I mentioned, four 30 point games this season. Um, he, um, he, after that 39 point performance, he scored 24, had five rebounds, four assists, one block, three steals. Um, in another game last week, 34 points, two steals, four assists, six rebounds. He's been on a tear lately. Wow. This player? It's Gordon Hayward. What? Gordon Hayward. Stop it. No, it's not. He is having one of the best seasons since he was an all-star in the Utah Jazz uniform. Oh, boy. In his last 10 games, he's averaging over 28 points a game. Almost three uh, assists, more than a steal a game, over five rebounds. He's stepped up his game. He's finding a new home in Charlotte. He's feeling very comfortable. He's not necessarily winning games, but he's playing some pretty good basketball right now. Uh, we got a bunch of texts we need to get through really quickly. A 6891 talking about the Boise State jersey and only wearing it for a day. Fair enough. 2787 says, hey, you're going to look, you're going to like the way you look when you are wearing the right shade of blue. You know, I do like looking good in style. I do like that. Hey, maybe I'll bring my mask, my ringmaster mask. All right. Uh, 5338 text in. After six more blocks last night, it's time to change Namias Keta's last name to Namias Matumbo. Wag that finger. He That is actually incredible. He's had six blocks like for four games this year. It's incredible what he's, what he's doing. doing. Also, uh, 5338 said, I actually saw a guy in a parking lot a few weeks ago wearing Cincinnati Bengals gear. Shut the front door. I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm not going to reach that low. Okay? There's... Okay, there's certain levels that I won't drop to, all right, when it comes to guarantees. Uh, 2417, by the way, the air raid siren is a perfect because it's guarantees bomb. That is until this tomorrow night when Boise State takes care of biz. Uh, <laughs> man, I hope I'm right. Oh. Shoot. Uh, five seven six three. Too bad Hayward doesn't have what it takes to get to the next level, according to Shaq. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Oh, these texts are great. That's I love great. our list. I'm telling you, we oh, say it again. Have the best listenership out of anybody. Like it's it's incredible. Our listeners are awesome. Charlotte currently seven and ten. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's Eric France and AJ South here on the Full Court Press. We're going to wrap it up here with a little bit of jazz basketball who has... Still their winning streak intact, and right now they're on a roll. They get the Knicks tonight. Knicks 8-10 and 10 on the season. Jazz right now is sizzling 12-4 and four with the second-best record in the league. Uh, Eric, this Jazz team is rolling. What do they got to do tonight against this Knicks team to keep that going? Well, this is the last time. This is the opponent that last beat them. So the Jazz are going to have some revenge on their minds. They let that one get away from them. Um, and uh, here's some interesting comments from uh, – Quinn Snyder, and then I'll get some share some from Tom Thibodeau. This is according to some of the beat writers following the Jazz and the Knicks tonight. Um, Quinn Snyder talking about the, the Knicks' defensive strength. Uh, their size, first of all, starting with the rim protection, and then their size across the rest of the front court and their back court. When you do drive the ball and you get in the lane, they make it hard for you. 
That's Quinn Snyder talking about how it can be challenging against the Knicks. And then here's Tom Thibodeau talking about the Jazz. They've added good pieces that fit them well, and they've adjusted. They've put a premium on the shooting. You can see they changed the composition of their roster, and the way they're playing is a lot different than they were three years ago. So um, I think for for the Jazz, um, what, uh, what's really been working for them, I think a lot of people are focusing on the three-point shooting, which is definitely on point. They're doing awesome. But I think one of the things, too, that uh, doesn't get talked about as much is their defense and how they've really ratcheted up their defense and just stifling their opponents, getting them frustrated. There's been quite a few blowouts during this stretch of winning uh, for the Jazz. Um, and you know they're going to have revenge on their mind against the Knicks and want to get after them. Um, this is a good Knicks team. This is a different Knicks squad than what we've known for the last 10 years or so. Uh, they've got some good, young, talented pieces that are can, can make life tough uh, for the Jazz. So uh, I, I think it's got to continue to be that that on offense, um, elite ball movement, um, sharing the ball, finding the open guy, um, and then defensively, just getting after them. They've got some length, so don't yeah, let them absolutely. drive to the hoop. Um, it, guard your yard. That's something that we hear a lot of coaches talk about. Do your do your one thing when it comes to defending one on one. The last time the Jazz lost, as Eric mentioned, was 20 days ago on January 6th inside of the Garden. 112-100 was the final score there. Julius Randle went off. He had a great night with 30 points. Jordan Clarkson led the Jazz with 19. Uh, Rudy Gobert right now is averaging just over 12 points, 13.5 boards, and just over 2.5 blocks. By Conley right now, he's been just on a tear. 14 points, 6.5 assists, just under 2 steals over the last 10 games for Utah. Another question for you. The bench play has been phenomenal for the Jazz. But does it worry you sometimes when Jordan Clarkson is the leading scorer coming off the bench? Um, <laughs> Jordan Clarkson is is an elite scorer. He can score at will when he wants to. Um, but there are times when they need him to be a team player too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he has improved with that this season, actually. I think he's doing a better job of recognizing, hey, there might be somebody else who could actually score in this possession. <laughs> I don't have to be a black hole and never – the, that ball see the light of day again. So, um, the other guys need to be able to to, to step up and and, and play well. Um, and the, usually when when it's an, a couple of different guys in the twenty point range, that's when the Jazz are at their best. In the last 10, 10 games, the Jazz are sizzling eight and two, just averaging under under one hundred fourteen points, forty eight and a half boards, twenty four and a half assists, six steals, six and a half blocks, shooting forty seven percent from the field, and their opponents are right now averaging one hundred five, shooting forty four percent. Knicks, on the other hand, are going backwards. Three and seven in the last ten, just under hundred points, forty-eight rebounds, twenty to six, six and a half steals, and five and a half blocks. Uh, Elijah Hughes is day to day. He's not playing tonight. Knicks have Austin Rivers on a day to day with an Achilles, Reggie Bullock, and Frank Nicolina with a right knee uh, issue as well. So, and if Austin Rivers doesn't play the, for them tonight, they're going to have issues because remember Austin Rivers took over that game in the yeah. final minute. Last he started time. cooking in the last five minutes, and they just couldn't stop him. Yeah, and uh, that was that was the difference. Kind of the difference of that game, wasn't yep. it? Uh, so again, Jazz Knicks tonight. That game is slated for seven o'clock. Jazz five and two at home. Knicks are five and six on the road. They're eight and ten overall. Jazz are 12-4. and four. This would be huge. And I was listening to somebody today when they were talking about the ESPN Power Rankings. They have Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz at third. And someone said, what is it going to take for the Jazz to overcome both the Lakers and Clippers? They gave a great answer. They get the Lakers and Clippers on a back-to-back 
the dance for February 13th and February 14th. You win or split those two games, you're a huge contender. I know that's a long ways away. We're on January 26th. But uh, that's going to be a big two-game set to look forward to to kind of find the measuring stick of where the Jazz stand. Yeah, the the Jazz, um, things for the Jazz really ratchet up in February. They've got like a two-week stretch where it's like one great team after, after another. another. But um, this, is, this isn't an easy week either. New York Knicks are kind of an up-and-coming team. they got Dallas in two games this week. They travel to Denver again on Sunday. So... This is uh this is not necessarily an easy stretch for the Jazz, but if they keep playing that unselfish basketball, Mike Connolly's playing awesome. Rudy Gobert is consistent. Uh, Boyan is finding his shot. Oh yeah, Joe he's Ingles been so is good. playing better. Your main. Do you think defensively Joe's gotten better? Uh yeah, I think he has Me gotten too. better. Uh, Me your, too. Your main man George Nyang is playing great off the bench. No, Eric, I look. If I, you know, what would be worse than wearing a Boise State jersey is wearing a wearing a George Nyang jersey. Kid style too. You That'd love George. No, I don't. Don't bag on George. I'm bagging on George. Man, I shoot better than him blindfolded. Really? Because he's one of the best. Uh, he's had a stretch now where he's one of the best three point shooters. Really? Finally, it took him only like a year and a half <laughs> to shoot the three well. Good for him. Hey, uh, a big thanks for our listeners today. You guys have been great. Greatly appreciate you. Uh, tomorrow's show will preview game two. Rebels, Aggies coming up uh, Wednesday night.